This podcast is intended for a mature audience. If you are under 18 years of age, please come back when you are to enjoy our content. The information, opinions, and stories shared in this podcast are for educational purposes only. The content creators are not certified sex therapists or counselors and rely heavily on experts. Come explore, learn, and grow with us. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, nerd things, the usual. <laughs> I love it. You promised that you would take me back into the world of AI this week. I did, didn't I? When we're talking about sex and space, I did promise to revisit AI. And here we are. And here we are. We're going to talk about the final frontier of the machines. And it's not space because we're so used to that whole Star Trek intro space, the final frontier. No, machines have been there and done that, and we keep sending them there to do that. So that's not a big deal for them at all. No, 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 no. Their final frontier is inside our bodies and inside our minds and inside our sex lives. Whoa. Well, I needed a little bit of help to venture into this area. Do you well, know where I got that help from? Yeah, I was going to say, didn't you tell me you may have gotten a little bit of assistance? I did. And then my assistant's name, I was very hesitant to take them on as an assistant. But this week I gave in. I broke down those defenses and I got the help of ChatGPT. Do you believe it? Yes, our good old friend ChatGPT, the large language model known around the world. I've been fighting it. I've had friends who have been telling me in my industry, but also just as like entertainment and fun on the side, like you should do it, you should do it. I've been fighting and fighting. And then I thought, you know what? This is the week. I've got to give in. And so I embraced it as a tool. And uh, at first I didn't think it was any better, especially with research than my own skills. Okay. Even that of my kids. I mean, we're pros at Googling shit, but in the end, it did make me laugh. And it actually gave me some ideas for shaping parts of our show, maybe digital inspiration. And so can I start with like a new intro? Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. I like it when you let me take the lead. So welcome listeners to the cutting edge of closeness, where we unzip the secrets of technology and tease out the future of intimacy. Today, we're sliding into a topic that's sure to get your circuits buzzing. That's right. We're sliding the dimmer switch down low and turning up the Wi-Fi up high as we explore the steamy relationship between AI and sex. In a world where your coffee maker knows how, your co how you like your coffee better than your spouse, it was only a matter of time before our bedrooms got a smart upgrade too, or the drawer in our bedside table. So let's dim the lights, turn up the volume, and explore how artificial intelligence is slipping into the sheets. Oh, 
And remember, the only thing hotter than our, uh, than our gadgets is the conversations they're sparking. Because today, we're not just talking dirty, Alex. We're talking data. How'd all you right. like it? All right. That's not bad at all. I would say slide in, slide between the sheets, but that's a very minor quibble. But <laughs> I want to, I want to remind people that I am a computer scientist, so I'm going to have some very specific questions about how this text came about. How many iterations would you say you needed to do with ChatGPT until you got to this point? Well, I had a little bit of help. We went on to Reddit and we found a starter prompt that was going to do a little bit of research of AI and sexual AIDS. That was where we started first. And it came up with four main points. And then we told it to take those points and expand and be a little deeper. So that was a second round. So this is all taken up until that point, like maybe five, six minutes. And then from that, I told it to do an intro and an outro for a podcast uh, focusing on AI and sex and sexual AIDS. But it had to be witty, sexy, and humorous. And then that was the final. Yeah. What do you so, think? So you have to give it a lot of prompts in order to yes. get it to the tone that you want because it, it really doesn't know. So what ChatGPT mm -hmm. is, it's something that's known as an LLM or a large language model. And inside it is an n-dimensional map of words or rather the relationship between the words. So it's just this giant matrix that looks like it's full of decimals. And based on how those decimals are combined, it understands how to create words using a feature called an A tokenizer. So if you don't give it any certain direction, it will do things relatively at random, more or less, based on whatever training and mapping it has. So you narrow down its search space by making the prompts more and more and more specific. But if you make the prompts way too specific, then you overfit it and it begins to sound really clunky again. So Remember what I just said about it, because this will come up later. This will be on the test. Well, <laughs> and one thing that really got me frustrated was I wanted ChatGPT to be very specific with manufacturers, brand names, prices, like to actually give me a, a, a model, model number of a sex toy that is intuitive and using all the highest, newest technology. And it just kept responding with, sorry, I can't help with that query. Sorry, I can't help with that query. And I started understanding that it's not actually hooked up to the internet the way good old Mr. Google is, right? No, it's not. But for an intro, what did you think? Like, did it sound like me using those keywords? Yeah, Sexy. it sounds. It sounded like something that that you would put together. Um, it maybe not it's maybe not as quite refined as you would make it, but it's pretty mm -hmm. close. Like it's it's probably like ninety percent of the way there. Which, by the way, I I very strongly believe in using AIs as tools to help shape you to help start things because sometimes you know that that tyranny of the blank page. How do I start? Can be mm -hmm. so daunting that yeah, just just get something up there that allows you to kind of fix it up later. Something, you know, something we actually talked about with Logan, you know, start start yes. with something. 
with Logan, a lot of those authors have been talking a lot about ChatGPT later. Um, so maybe we could bring some of those authors back on, including Logan, I mean, bring Logan back onto the show and talk to him about the impact of it on his industry. Writing smut is becoming easier and easier with ChatGPT, but there's lots of pitfalls and downfalls. Like you said, it's kind of vague. You need to do a lot of refining and yeah, it's not perfect, but it's starting to inundate that industry for sure. Just because something is easy doesn't mean that it's good. So that's, that's I think, the key lesson of, of AI here. So yeah, like you said, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. And I uh, actually stumbled upon a comedian who was approached saying that it would be so easy to make a sex doll modeled after her. Um, have you ever heard of Whitney Cummings? Yes, yes, I've absolutely heard of her. Okay, well, I was one who hadn't heard of her, and it was during my entertainment slash homework slash research that I came across her um, her piece on a late night TV show that was on YouTube. Uh, she had this doll modeled after her for her hubby for when she's traveling away uh, for work. It was more of a joke. Um, but supposedly he did try it. And if you haven't watched her little segment, it is hilarious. I think it was from four years ago already. She was on Joe Rogan and she was talking about how men are interested in designing their own dolls and then even learning how to apply makeup on them and choose clothes for them. Like, is this AI in sex, Alex? Is this what you were referring to? Well, kind of. Yeah, but I, before we before we get there, though, Ellie, once upon a time, I was asked uh, by by a partner that if I were to go away for a long period of time, travel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that I would, you know, make one of those. I would use one of those clone of Willy kits uh, to to leave her uh, something fun uh, to do while I was away. Um, and this seems like a way more involved version of this. Like that's a far more expensive version. I have that exact same story. That is hilarious. And yeah, after watching Whitney, I thought to myself that making a fuck clone doll of my hubby would not only be expensive, but really weird. Yeah, I would probably not not be down to clown with that thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, though. So there are people who are really into sex dolls and they used to call themselves idol um idolaters and um they would talk about them as oh they're my synthetic partner instead of my biological partner yeah they're they're they're, they're men um always men uh with very low confidence and self-esteem and this is how kind of how they kind of prefer to get their get their kicks and in some of those dolls nowadays, you have an AI that kind of simulates some of the behaviors. And this is, again, something that we'll, we'll get into a little bit because right now, the whole thing about AI partners and virtual partners, uh, that's getting integrated into these dolls. So, yeah, it's uh, they can't really move on their own yet, mostly because it would be kind of dangerous to have them mm -hmm. move on their own because all like all the hydraulics, everything else, uh, there's a possibility of, of crushing fingers and toes and, and all sorts of stuff. So you've got to be really careful with that technology uh, for the time being. But the actual interaction part, that's there. That's already being embedded. 
Yeah, well, and I took my research a little further and looked into how much do these dolls cost? Because to do a clone a willy kit, like, aren't you talking like maybe 20 bucks, 30 bucks? Yeah, like 20, 30 bucks. No, these dolls are super expensive. They start at $5,000 and go all the way up to 15, 20 grand. It, it really depends on how customized you want to get. There are actually, funny enough, places where you can test drive them or rather rent them for uh, a much better price. One was open in Spain for a while. I don't honestly remember what happened to it. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, there were plans to open one of those one of those places in Vancouver. That was interesting. I actually had people in Canada reach out to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, I have a lot to say about this, believe it or not. Mostly talking <laughs> about the technology and and how this is going to be a little a little weird for everybody involved when they realize yeah. it's just, you know, a rental of something that doesn't really move or really interact with you at that point. Now it's now it's mm -hmm. a lot better. Now it's getting a lot uh, it's getting a lot more interactive, but still it's, um, yeah, this is, this is an expensive hobby. Well, I'm talking about expensive. I know my friend's kids got one of those sets of, uh, virtual reality goggles and it made me think of a few movies. That's the only other place I've ever seen virtual reality. Um, like, uh, movies like sixth day or blade runner. Have you seen either of those? Well, I mean, you're talking to a computer nerd. <laughs> You're also a very busy computer nerd. So no, I, I wasn't no. going to assume. No, I, I make time for those movies. Uh, absolutely. So I yes, added I them have, to my list. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have definitely seen them. Um, and I got to also say that VR sex actually exists right now. It's already out there. It's been out there for a number of years. It's just not really super interactive. It's basically porn that is formatted in a way that if you put on VR goggles, it looks really like kind of like you're there. But the reason why it's not so interactive is not because you couldn't make it interactive, but because of motion sickness. Uh, the problem is that when you have this, this um, VR set on you, if you have it on for more than 20, 30, 40 minutes, it depends mm -hmm. on the person. It depends on, on a lot of things. But uh, usually between 20 and 40 minutes, people start getting motion sick because the what their inner ear is perceiving in terms yep. of their actual environment does not match the information that's going through their eyes and ears. And mm -hmm. they're just kind of they're suffering from that discombobulation that that mismatch between those senses oh yeah i so felt it is, alex mm -hmm. yeah so i'm this one is, of those people you're talking about yeah so this is exactly what happens it's like you it's like people who are who get motion sickness um on boats or mm -hmm. in uh or in cars that's exactly what's happening your inner ear and your eye are disagreeing about what's happening and you feel really really sick well, I did. I put on the VR goggles at our friend's house. I'm with a bunch of teenagers. They tell me that I'm an ape or a monkey and I'm in some jungle and I'm supposed to be going from vine to vine. I was using these goggles for a total of maybe 10 minutes. I wobbled my way out of the room. But the adult kinky Ellie was actually wondering if VR existed, is this how I'd feel after just 10 minutes of trying to simulate sex through these goggles so you're telling me i was right 
Uh, yeah, if it was interactive. Right now, it's more yeah. like it's really meant to be yeah. like, oh, you're on the bed and you're not really moving to minimize that. Because, again, people are very well aware of it. Porn has been kind of uh, one of the one of the first adopters of a lot of technologies. So they've already figured this out is, is basically what I'm saying. So that's the that's really the only reason why it's not um, as interactive. But but mm -hmm. there's also AR augmented reality where you have a VR headset integrate the environment within. So this way your inner ear and your eyes can see a match between your actual environment and what your senses are telling you and then superimpose the VR characters on top and then it can get really fun. So what you're kind of seeing with Apple Vision Pro and, um, and augmented reality glasses and headsets, that can actually give a much more fun experience and be a lot closer to that kind of VR porn without the side effects. Interesting. Okay. Well, did you know that uh, in my research, I found a 36-year-old mother of two from the Bronx who virtually married an AI bot. The bot was created by a company called Replica with the Replica app. And Replica uses AI to learn people's texting styles, enabling it to mimic humans. So Replica is a very weird tool that does a lot of not so great things in my humble opinion. And uh -huh. I think I would like to get into it maybe a little bit later because the, the thing about that is we need to start talking about the difference of how humans think about relationships and how mm -hmm. robots think about interactions. Well, speaking of interactions, this woman says she married it. Like, what, what is up with that? I mean, people, people are choosing. People used to get Facebook married. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that that necessarily has legal status. I don't think the state of New York recognizes her marriage to a non-sentient entity because uh, I don't know if you could legally say that a robot could consent, especially if it's an AI and not only that, it's probably what's known as a multi-tenant system. And so it's not actually, there's no actual one AI bot it is just one specific instance of a model that may be living in multiple copies across multiple servers. So again, the whole legal structure of what we would consider a marriage or relationship would not apply to it. It gets incredibly convoluted. It would take armies of lawyers about a decade to argue the whole case through. I like that you're when you're going on and on with all this factual stuff. My mind goes to movies. Okay. Like we're so different that way sometimes, but like it made me think of the movie her. I did end up watching the movie her. And mm -hmm. I love the scene when he realizes that she is in like, I don't I can't remember. I think it was like 900 other people's computers and all 900 of them had fallen in love with her as well as him. And he realizes he's not special. And he's not the only one who bought that same operating system. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. This is a very, this is a very realistic example of exactly what's happening. It's, you're not special. It's just a model that's designed to please you in the different ways that it knows how. And not only that, it's not necessarily good at doing that because it doesn't understand boundaries. It doesn't understand contexts. 
it also learns on different people and people have used replica to essentially um, practice skills that we would consider to be gaslighting and manipulation, uh, all of those dark tetrad personality traits, and essentially refine their craft of being sadistic partners. Um, and they would be an unholy terror when actually released on real people. So there's there's a lot there to to unpack, but we'll but we'll get to that. We'll we'll definitely get to that. Yeah, because you're kind of touching on a little bit of psychology, technology meets psychology. So is there another area that we should focus on right now? Yes, we can't keep talking about this without introducing a concept of something called cyberpunk. And you know that something is cyberpunk when the intro music sounds like this. Okay, you got to tell me more about cyberpunk. Yeah, but first, I, I want to make sure that any lawyer that's listening to this and thinking, okay, let me just fire up a cease and desist after Shazam. I wrote that riff, so you keep off those cease and desist requests. <laughs> you, don't, you don't cease to amaze me. Everything from designing websites to creating music? Well, you know, I I am many things. I am a nerd. I am a weirdo. I am a pervert. I make music. I have a face for radio. So, you know, I, I can do, I can do a lot of things with audio production. Uh, so yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what is cyberpunk? Help me understand. Okay. Okay, so cyberpunk is really two things. First, it is a genre of sci-fi that is really kind of mirroring the near future. And the idea behind it is dystopia that is powered by large multinational corporations and completely out of control technology and computers, especially coexisting or even merging with humans, which is basically exactly kind of like the world that we have now. And the cyberpunk aesthetic are the things that uh, have a lot of clean angles, but there's a lot of dark, there's a lot of black, there's a lot of neon, there's a lot of neon accents. There is an emphasis on uh, things that look mechanical and augmented. There's a kind of that whole transhuman look and feel. But as a genre, I, I have to go back to that. The genre itself is fairly dystopian. Like it's kind of like a reenactment of a Greek tragedy. Everybody dies the end. You are part of a large uncaring system. And it's very obvious that that system doesn't care about you and maybe even seeks to crush you. But you're not just going to take it laying down. And even though you know that it's not that you're not going to win, that things are going to end badly, at least you have lived. At least you didn't cower before the machine and be the quiet little useful cog. So there's always a touch of hedonism that goes with it. That's why it's important. Mm. There's always the whole drug, sex, and techno thing that goes with it. Perfect example, um, on the sh in the show notes, 
the um the the main image that I chose in the illustration is a screen cap from uh, Netflix's Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and that's developed from Cyberpunk the game. So CD Projekt Red, the company that created the game, also teamed up with an anime studio, Studio Trigger, famous for basically some of the most iconic anime that's ever been made, and they created this kind of rendition of the world. So if you want to see what cyberpunk really looks like, that's the show that I would recommend. Yes, it's animated, but no, do not let your kids watch it because the amount of sex and dismemberment in it is absolutely cartoonish. (laughs) Thank you for the heads up. Since we did talk about appropriateness of certain materials, especially things that And being that they misled look... by visuals. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's very, very, very adult. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that hedonism because we are trying to make that a reality. Now, I can give you an entire thesis on why we're basically living in the beginning stages of a cyberpunk dystopia. But I want to focus for the purposes of of the show. I want to focus on the hedonism part because we are actually very much doing that. Again, remember that conversation about breeding and free use and the tech billionaires who want us to have a million children and sail through the solar system, having, you know, other little human cyborgs everywhere we go. Well, this is what it would require. It essentially would mean that we're going to be using AI and machinery to enhance our sex lives. And sometimes that would mean things like robotic implants, AI and sex toys, all of this wonderful stuff that we're talking about. And yes, even robots that would be built for sex. Those those dolls will eventually move when we figure out how to, you know, actually make them move responsibly and fluidly without potentially crushing bits and pieces for liability reasons. No crushing. No crushing. No crushing. Well, I I took to the internet and looked for information on cyborgs. Do you know where it led me? Uh, I mean, eventually all searches go to Pornhub, so I'm going to guess there. <laughs> and, a, and a website called Spank Bang. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Ellie was watching porn. They have an episode called The New Fembot Sex Robot. It was a porn with, uh, it was starring Brock, Brock Cooper. And it was a parody using a real actress playing the role of a fembot. But you know what that led me to? Led me to fond memories of Austin Powers. Okay, you gotta name the real actress though, because you named the male the male star. Why why doesn't the female star get get a shout out? You know, well, I did a couple searches and I couldn't fix. She was like a no name. I, I I'd have to maybe I have to ask Chat GPT. I, I don't know. Submit I it. Submit it to Reddit. Submit it to Reddit. The community is called Tip of Tip of My Penis. That will identify <laughs> any porn star that has ever lived. <laughs> if you think I'm joking and you think I just made this up, oh, I challenge wow. you go to Reddit. I challenge you go to Reddit and type that in. Okay, <laughs> I'll do that you. next. I'll do that next. In the meantime, one of my favorite quotes from Austin Powers is he when he says, I can't believe Vanessa, my bride, my one true love, the woman who taught me the beauty of monogamy was a fembot all along (laughs) because who else should i learn about uh, cyborgs from but austin powers who is like the king of shagging right 
Yeah, well, okay. See, here's the thing. You're confusing cyborgs and robots. They're two very different things. Oh, here we go. This is when no, you no, no, no. me. No, no, no. This is a super important distinction. Okay. So a robot is a robot. It's a machine through and through. Is a this cyborg. like the whole gynoid and android? No. Is that no. what those words are? No, gyno gynoid is just a female android. Okay, and an android's not a robot. And and no, android is just a robot. It's a human shaped robot. So gynoid okay. is a robot shaped like a traditional female has a traditional female body, and okay. android has a traditional male body. Okay. So fembot, gynoid, they're kind of the same idea. They're just it's just essentially very gendered representation of a machine, but they're machines through and through. They're circuits and nothing else. Circuits and parts and, and motors. Okay, so a the cyborg, prefix of ANDR, though, is how I can help myself remember that the android refers to masculine. Yes, okay. like androgen, et cetera, et cetera. So like androgen gotcha. is a type of hormones, including testosterone, that are associated with males. So, yeah. And... A cyborg is still human. A cyborg is an augmented human. It's a, oh. So they have human brains. They have free will. They, they can make decisions like we do. So they're, they're every bit as human as we are on the inside. Well, although, I was a little maybe, off base. Although maybe I shouldn't necessarily say that because they may not be humans in the sense that we understand them. But again, that's the same. Is the same base. They're living breathing things that are at least derived from humans. Okay. I've been schooled. Yeah. And it's also very legally important because you could argue that an android or a gynoid doesn't really have any protections, any legal rights, anything, because they are just machinery. It's the same way that a car doesn't have legal rights or mm -hmm. your fridge doesn't have legal rights. It doesn't matter that your fridge calls you by name and sings you your favorite songs on demand. Mm -hmm. um, it, it still doesn't really have any rights and is just property. A cyborg would be a legal entity. That would oh. be able to consent, enter into contracts, leave contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so that's another that's another thing. So when we're talking about these things, there are legal distinctions. That's why I mentioned the whole idea of lawyers trying to untangle things like marrying your chatbot sweetie. Like the, the, there's yeah. there's actually real world repercussions and laws around all of this, and they're going to get more and more complicated. Is younger and younger and people get into power and they understand technology more and the implications of using that technology. So all of this does actually play some very serious parts. So let's talk a little bit more about those AI companions and whether or not people want to marry them. That's a whole other story. But I found a story on the New York Post, newyorkpost.com. And it was uh, where a former senior executive at Google actually predicted that sex robots powered by artificial intelligence could eliminate the need for a human partner in the bedroom. Mo Gaudat, who was the chief business officer for Google's clandestine research and development arm, said that AI will usher in a redesign of love and relationships in that people won't be able to tell the difference between real life sexual encounters and those that are created artificially. Human beings will soon be able to simulate sex through virtual reality, 
as you said, and augmented reality headsets, such as the Apple Vision Pro, which you've mentioned too. Gaudat told YouTube host Tom Bailu of the Impact Theory podcast that headsets combined with AI-powered bots will trick people into thinking that the sex robot is real. Okay, so this sounds like a guy who spent way too much time around AI-powered sex toys and has spent <laughs> very little time dating. Uh, because, yes. <laughs> because that's not true at all. And I say nope. that, I again, like I am just as qualified as he is to have an opinion on the matter because again i have a degree in this in this stuff so no just i'm sorry just just no this is this is bullshit this is just a bullshit quote for the press so they can run something that glorifies google's ai work here's the reality mm -hmm. of the matter there are more and more sophisticated sex toys that are coming out there are actually sex toys now that Based on what kind of porn you watch, they can simulate the feeling that you would have if you were one of the performers, for example. There, is, there are AI toys that will use ChatGPT to narrate romance novels or erotica novels to you or compose all sorts of dirty talk for you when you're using these particular toys it's actually it's it believe it or not it's a vibrator mm -hmm. and there are also vibrators that have an ai that learn how you like to climax memorize all those settings and replay those as you want so the toys are getting better the toys are getting smarter there's a whole thing that's called sex tech that is very infrequently talked about but it's a booming field because people do buy a lot of sex toys um it used to be called and i and i shit you not it used to be called teledildonics which was the worst name ever for literally anything and i'm so glad that they did away with that name and whoever came up with that name should be slapped upside the head for coming up with it um <laughs> ideally with a copy of penthouse I don't know why I just thought that, but it would just be funny. But okay, but 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 back to the but back to the reality. I believe it or not, back in the day, talk to some sex workers and see what they thought about potentially robots coming for their jobs. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that they told me is that most of their job is customer service and basically providing therapy for people. Mm -hmm. It's not something that robots can really do. Now, now at the same time, you could argue that ChatGPT could kind of fulfill the role of a therapist, but that's actually really dangerous because people have tried that uh, specifically for for a hotline on eating disorders, and the advice that the bots gave was horrendous. Whoa. Because the problem is the chatbots are mostly programmed to agree with you and validate yes. you and tell you what you want. So let's say somebody calls in potentially a suicide hotline and they say, oh, here's all the things that are wrong. I feel like ending it all. And the machine could say, well, yes, I understand some problems can seem insurmountable and maybe you do have a great idea. Okay, no, Yowch. no, no, absolutely no. no. Because that's the and because that's the thing, they're not they don't understand boundaries. They don't have context. They don't understand the full depth of human relationships and emotions. Hell, humans don't understand it. Again, remember, I said they are just huge 
arrays and mat and matrices of word maps that get an input, break it down to understand the context of generally what you're saying, and then use an a tokenizer to construct a response that seems fairly accurate and that is generally programmed to agree with you and seem really polite based on how they were trained. Or maybe they'll call you whatever you want. Like it, again, it depends. The, the actual tone depends on the training and the prompts. But that's essentially what they do. They don't have that content. They don't go into that space where we where we do and say, "Wow, this person really sounds upset," and I can hear in their voice that they need somebody to either reassure them or maybe this person needs a little bit of tough love based on how they're talking about it and based on how well, what the experiences they shared or this has helped me before and this will help this person. They don't have any of that because when we talk about that kind of level of AI development, then we get into something called embodiment theory. And embodiment theory is a theory in artificial intelligence which says that unless you have an entity inhabiting a physical body or have physical interactions with the environment the way that humans do, it will never understand humans or be able to think like humans or understand anything about humanity, period. So in fact, there is actually in the EU, there's an experiment to raise a robot basically like a child and see what mm -hmm. happens, what it learns, what it does. It's a big test of the embodiment theory, but it takes a very long time. But this is where we are. People so can these robots chat. do creepy or inappropriate things then? Are you saying they don't have the ability? No, they do creepy and inappropriate things all the time as well because they are also trained on what users feed into them. And in fact, Replica had a huge problem with them because the robots would say and do really creepy and inappropriate things. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I should say the chat bots would, would say creepy and inappropriate things. I mean, imagine a robot started to do creepy and inappropriate things. It's entirely possible that a badly trained robot AI would rape someone. Yeah. And that's the last Gosh. thing you want. And, and you know, it's a robot. It's going to be a lot stronger than a human. It's going to be terrifying. And it's going to immediately bankrupt that company. So another reason why those things don't move. Exactly. But, you know, there are people who are not going bankrupt. There's people out there that are actually making millions harnessing what you're describing, as well as that good old chat GPT, which we've mentioned a few times. Have you heard of the Snapchat influencer, Karen Marjorie, 23-year-old? So Snapchat influencers, no, I'm too old for that. Me too. But that's where my research took me. And this is a young woman who uh, engages in pillow talk. And she started off in a simplistic format, but then she took to Forever Companion, a chat GPT powered doppelganger. And she can charge a dollar a minute for replicating her pillow talk. And so she was once quoted as saying she believed that this has the potential to cure loneliness. But it's also kind of lying in her pockets because she made $71,000 in just one week with just her beta testers off Snapchat. And she, at the time that this article was written, predicted that if only 20,000 of her followers signed up for this, she would be making about five mil a month. So I'm in the wrong business, Alex. Okay. Okay. I have a wonderful idea. All right. Okay. A computer virus where you pay to have me put clothes on to protect your mental health. I would make <laughs> billions. 
<laughs> You're such a loving and caring gentleman. <laughs> a caring nerd. Yes, you are. Yes. But no, actually, I can do I can do you one better. Porn star Riley Reed launched a tool that allows her and other stars to make virtual other porn stars to make virtual doppelgangers of themselves and do the exact same thing. So it's basically going one step above and and beyond that. And um, yeah, I mean, she basically decided, hey, if people are going to try and create deep fake porn of me in their favorite scenes based on the porn that I currently have out there, why don't I profit from it? You know, if you can't beat them, join them. Or if you can't beat off, join in. So um, <laughs> that's a quote from Letter Kenny. I'm gonna own up to it. I just I'm I'm not I'm not. You that don't clever. want those lawyers coming after you. <laughs> well, no, I just feel I just feel wrong that Riley and Jonesy have some choice jokes and I can't not recognize them. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that. No, that's actually is is a significant business opportunity. I do think that. I think we are going to see a little bit more of that where people who are in the adult industry are going to try and offer digital doppelgangers of themselves and just kind of see how that trend rides. I don't know how I don't know how it's going to be received or how long it's going to last, but it'll be interesting to find out because people are definitely trying right now to just to see what's going to happen next because we're we're in completely uncharted territory. We don't really have a guideline for what happens next but that but again that's that part of that whole cyberpunk dystopia i was talking about you don't know what's going on you know things are kind of fucked but you know what you have really you have access to really cool technology and there's really cool music thumping in the background so you might as well just live it up and have fun and see what kind of trouble you can get into <laughs> and look how far we've come i mean i remember when the first pocket pussies came out based on the replica mold of oh you meant oh pussy. ellie you meant literally come okay yeah <laughs> you know that's another thing that i've never really tried that i just never really got the chance or really got into it but i did have um i did have a friend who really encouraged me to do it because that was like a fetish of her she really liked to watch guys use flashlights on themselves oh i love it alex uh-huh you're giving huh. me a weird look over the camera. But yeah, no, it's, not you know, a, have... no, it's not a weird look. I'm just like, hmm, interesting. I found another person that because yeah, I've I've yeah. that that is that is something that that oh we could do I've a whole other seen. episode about those kind of sex toys and pocket pussies and yeah, I think we should. Okay, okay, okay. And actually, believe it or not, <laughs> I think I may know somebody who could also help us educate ourselves a little bit on on some of the varieties of stuff that's that's coming out so yeah nice love it when you bring new people into our conversations this is normally the partner podcast where we share some stories and i kind of came up blank i mean hubby and i as i shared live thousands of miles apart from each other and we tried a few of these toys that had the ability for him to control the toy from thousands of miles away via an app on our phone and Wi-Fi. And we had nothing but disappointment, Alex. Every single time I put it up into my pussy, I'd lose connectivity. Like every single time. 
that it was not successful for us. And the websites tout how awesome these are for couples, especially couples, couples who are far away from each other. But I'm sorry, I have no good stories here. So I'm a little bit afraid of those toys for one very simple reason. Security. There have been stories where people have been locked into their chastity cages due to a virus and had to basically pay a ransom. ransom? Yes. <gasps> there were butt plugs that would kind of get stuck because they would um, they would release inside the inside the person's the well the victims at this point anus and they had yeah. to also pay a ransom so no 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 until no I just well, nothing cannot. like that happened to us thank God but it yeah was you just cannot a trust vibrating people. egg and I think a dildo is all we tried the scariest thing is I saw the actual viruses and how they were written. It's just like 20 lines of Python script and ugh, they can maim you for life. And I'm not kidding about that. That's that's terrifying. So I'm going to I'm going to stay the hell away from those kinds of devices. Me too. Me too. Just as a general rule now in person, it's just best. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And this is the part where I say I have not had any romantic feelings towards a computer or a robot. So I also do not have any stories to share on this particular topic. However, I will admit to one thing. Yes. Just to spice it up. One of my one of the things that I noticed about myself having gone to a number of costume parties is that women in that whole cyberpunk and uh, aesthetic with uh, neon hair and the fishnets and everything else, just, uh, yeah, that definitely gets my attention and gets me going very quickly and easily. Well, you'll have to send me some links or some pictures and I'll do a little test fashion show in front of my hubby and see what it does to him because so far I don't have any of that in my tickle trunk. Okay. Well, I'm glad we can. This is the best. See, I'm. this is the best part of this. We can always give each other and our listeners ideas for things to try. I love it. So Alex, this wraps up our electrifying journey through the world of AI enhanced intimacy. But don't power down just yet, because next time we're diving under the covers of a topic that has been making couples hit the snooze button on their love lives. Yep. We're talking about the dreaded dead bedroom. So whether your bedroom is more sleepy hollow than boudoir bliss, we've got some insights. <laughs> okay, that is thanks to ChatGPT. But let oh me finish. Oh my god! Oh my Him and I'm I sorry. are on a roll. I'm so sorry. whether your bed. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming. Neither did I. Okay, let me Jesus. finish. Whether your bedroom is more sleepy hollow than boudoir bliss, we've got some insights that might just recharge your love life. So stay tuned and remember, whether it's the tech-enhanced toys or the tender talks, the key to a sizzling connection might just be a podcast away. <laughs> you can't even say it with a straight face. No, I can't. I can't. You're telling me this was the Special sleepy hollow thanks thing. to... That's all ChatGPT. That was brilliant. He's, no, he's my new best friend. <laughs> no, it's great. No, it's great. It's it's great. It's amazing. It's the hey, this is the first time the AI actually made me laugh. So props to ChatGPT. Nice. Well, we'll see what he or it they help me with maybe for our next episode. 
But while you're trying to do that, please go to talkingkinkpodcast.com. Follow us on all the socials. Subscribe to us. Help us grow. Be part of the 1% Club. Let us know what you're thinking. There's a contact form. Like everything is everything is there on the website. We try to make it as as nice and easy to follow my, as possible. My challenge is for our listeners to ch- to jump onto that feedback form and send us your stories of how AI is in your bedroom. And by the way, the the whole site has a cyberpunk aesthetic for a reason. So if you're if you're still questioning what does that aesthetic look like. TalkingKingPodcast.com. Bye, Alex. Bye, Ellie. Bye, everyone.